Hey guys, and welcome back to the 20 Minute Marketing Podcast. I hope you are having a fantastic day, and thank you for joining us on episode 75 of the show. For new listeners, my name is Liam, and I chat with a different guest every week, and we talk about different marketing topics for around 20 minutes. Today is going to be a really fun episode because I am joined by a friend who I know from a really cool Slack group that we're both in called Marketing and Friends. So shout out to Liam Fallon and everyone in the group for making that really fun. I'm here with Vian Britz, who is a digital marketing consultant, and he is also joining us from South Africa, which is a first for the show. So let's get started. Hey, Vian, welcome to the show. And how's it going? Hey, it's good to be here. Going really well. Always busy. I've got two busy kids that keep me up at night and, you know, we're trying to make the work from home and you know looking after the kids thing work but shout out to my wife for helping that department so going good um loving life everything is great yeah that's awesome i love the positivity um i'm glad that i don't have to balance work and children at the moment so i don't envy you there um before we get started quite random but i also love that you have a donut emoji next to your name on linkedin it does always make me hungry though so i think you're doing a good job on that front that's great. I mean, look, the donut thing is a is a fascinating thing. I I realized that you know if I want to kind of add a personal brand to my profile, it needs to be something that's connected to something delicious and eye catching. And a donut is just the the next best thing. You know, let's go for a donut emoji because everybody loves donuts. So so why not? Yeah, it does make me smile. And I think it's a good example of how to use an emoji for personal branding. So before we start, could you quickly tell us about yourself, please? Yeah, sure thing. So as you mentioned, um, digital marketing consultant, I've been in this industry now for over 10 years. I initially started out as an SEO specialist 10 years, more than 10 years ago. And then I slowly but surely moved into other areas within the marketing realm. I got my hands dirty with CRO stuff. So conversion rate optimization tactics, did a lot of A-B testing as well. Um, I then moved on to some paid advertising, some social media. So I've kind of been around, you know, this this space and in many verticals during my time. I was also privileged enough to to spend some time and attention across the entire funnel. Um, a while back, I worked with a guy called Ruben Ugarte. Now he's a product marketing analyst, and he basically analyzes product usages. Um, so I even got my hands dirty on that front and super exciting, really learning about product usage and not just acquisition, learning everything from A to Z. So yeah, full on. I don't know if you can call me the T-shaped marketer. I'm not too fond of that word, but let's call it a, a T-shaped digital marketing strategist. Lots of experience then, and we could definitely label you a veteran in the industry as well. Um, So we're going to be talking about measuring efficiency, business growth, and identifying opportunities. It's going to be really interesting. I know that you've got some cool things lined up to share with us, Vian. Um, So let's get started and dive in. We are going to be talking about efficiency, growth, and opportunities, which does cover quite a lot of things. Uh, We're going to be touching on site optimization, SEO, content, and more. 
Um, there is going to be some framework involved in this episode, uh, which is something that we don't usually cover in the show. But we'll cover that at the start and then we'll move on to some more practical questions afterwards. So stay with us for those first few questions and then everything will tie together nicely um, as we move on through the episode. So first of all, Vian, super open question. How can marketing teams measure those three pillars of growth, efficiency and opportunity? Yeah, so, you know, a lot of our efforts and our measurements basically start off from a, a measurement framework. And I'll be briefly talking about two types of frameworks here. The first framework is a framework. It's something I created just from scratch. It is something I call the efficiency gap analysis scorecard. Now, the first one is essentially a 12-point scoring sheet to basically measure the efficiency from an operational perspective. And I'll, I'll go into some of the details just now. So that's the first one. And that one is great to, you know, great for any team to kind of spot any troubled areas across 12 key areas. Now, 12 key areas includes everything from your team, your, your team structure, your hiring processes, your onboarding, your templates and frameworks and your automation and reporting and self-marketing. It's, it's, it's quite extensive. And, but the great thing about this framework is you get more than one team member involved in the scoring of each of these, these criteria elements. So it's not just a, oh, there's one specific person that is in charge of that scoring framework. You get more people involved, so it becomes a bit of a teamwork exercise. That's the first framework. The second framework is something quite popular um, within the SaaS industry. It's something called the R Pirate Metric Framework. It's essentially a framework that spans across all the stages of a funnel. Now, it's, it spans all the way from acquisition all the way through to retention, activation, there's referral and revenue. And this one measures the, um, the growth or the success of certain tactics within your marketing and your product efforts. So the first one, very much focused on operational stuff. The second one is very much focused on successes and growth. If you, if you pair both, it becomes a very powerful combination. So yeah, so that's essentially high level, two frameworks that any team can apply and really a, a good foundational element to, to a, a team's success. Yeah, really interesting. I'm looking forward to learning more about both of those frameworks and how we can use them. If anyone does want to follow along or check them out after the episode, then I will add a link in the show notes to both of the frameworks so you can check them out. So yeah, let's dive into both of them a bit deeper and the elements inside each one. Uh, feel free to pick one and we'll start with that, Vian. Absolutely. Okay, so the first one here, the efficiency gap analysis scorecard. Now, as I mentioned here, it's, it's best for people looking to obtain a high-level view of their team and process efficiencies. Now, if I can briefly just again mention some of those key areas. Um, first one is team and hiring. Have you hired the, the right people to do the job? Are you struggling to hire top talent? Are you struggling to retain your top talent? That kind of highlights, you know, your, your skills or ability within that particular area. Then it goes into training and development. This is very much focused around, have you set a definite training plan or program within your team? A lot of people, you know, I, I include myself here, you know, I've, I've sat in roles where there's no dedicated 
training program to really develop myself as a skilled individual. I almost need to do it on the sideline. So why should it's good for me to do that, but why can't a company invest in that? Third point, client and employee happiness. Um, do you have so either client or employee happiness, or it could be your management team, your leadership team, um, CEOs, your C-suite. Now, this goes into NPS scores. You know, do you run surveys and do you have a finger on top of you know, the happiness of your employees? It could be that you've got a very low retention rate when it comes to your employees. Why is that? Do you know what your, you know, do you know if you're scoring well in those areas? And then just some other areas, onboarding, order, some strategy, project management. It's quite a lot to, to score, but I ran one a while ago for a big agency and a big company in Malaysia. Now, I, I ran a session. It took about 45 minutes. They all scored each of these key points by themselves. And the great thing is it's got a heat map built into the sheet. So you can instantly see where there's a lot of red. And they were scoring low in certain areas. And what makes that great is now all of a sudden there's alignment across many team members you know, to, to identify the area of the weaknesses because they've all scored it and it's showing some red areas and that instantly creates alignment between members. And now conversations can start around how can we start to plug some of these areas? That's the first framework. That sounds like a really cool framework for alignment then. And I also think it helps to ensure that your team feels motivated and believes that you are investing in their future and their careers. Um, and we all know that happier staff equates to more success in the long run. So I think that would be a really cool exercise to go through that framework with your team. Absolutely. And the, the thing about this, this scoring framework is that it's pretty easy to evangelize. There's no cost involved in something like this. And I mean, it, it takes 45 minutes. So the time you know, dedicated to this is very low. So, so once you can get your team involved in this, as you say, it does open up those conversations you know, for people to you know, to really almost demand, request certain stuff that they need. Like you said, you know, if, if there needs to be certain processes that needs to be put in place, once you have the scoring sheet in place and your manager even scored that, you know, that part, a, a very low score, then it instantly creates that, that platform to, to discuss that. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. Do you want to dive into the second framework now then? And then we'll move on to some more practical questions afterwards. Absolutely. Okay, so framework two is now very much all focused around growth and performances and success. And it's called the R Pirate Metric Framework. I don't know exactly who created this framework, but it essentially measures your health across um, various stages of the funnel. So R is basically an acronym for acquisition or awareness, activation retention, referral, and revenue. That's basically just how a user moves through the different funnels to get to a stage where you can actually make money from them. Now, um, it is a lot more applicable to, to SaaS businesses here because if you, if you look at activation, for instance, it's how do people, you know, how are they taking actions within your product? If you've got a software, do they install the software? Do they... Um, use all your, your key features? How did I get to the aha moment? The, the, the thing about this is once you start to plot out your, R, your, your different funnels or stages within the funnel, you can easily start to measure the wins across your funnel stages. Where are we winning currently? 
your losses, where are the drop-offs and abandonment across the stages? You can even look at certain tactics that you need to deploy through the stages. Like if acquisition has a big problem, you now know which teams to deploy to, to kind of fix those areas because you can see there's leakages there. It also shows you which tools you should deploy. Um, if there's a retention problem, you know you need to look at tools to measure retention and you know to have a thing on top of that. It also allows you to understand where you should deploy certain resources. Acquisition, copywriters, marketers, designers, if there's a referral problem. So yeah, this just gives you another framework to, to really understand how and where you could grow. Um, the, the good thing about this one, it's ongoing, it's always on. It's not a one-stop shop and you just do it ad hoc once done. It becomes your, your foundation, your go-to essentially. Yeah, two awesome frameworks there then for us all to use. And as I mentioned before, we don't usually cover frameworks or theory on the show, so it is quite nice to speak about something different. I think one of the big challenges in business is that teams often work independently to reach their goals. Um, So how can we work together and use these frameworks effectively um, so that we don't get in a situation where the SEO team, uh, the content creators, the dev team, and whoever else might be in your organization are all working towards different goals? I think what makes this framework exciting is that we we would spend money on SEO or outsourcing SEO because we feel that we've got a traffic problem. We go, damn, we don't have enough traffic. Let's let's just spend money in that area because that is the issue here. But once you once you plot this out in this full funnel view, you actually start to uncover areas where there could potentially be big, bigger problems. I'm not saying that this framework is is there to basically allow you to or basically help you to make a decision to fire your SEO agency or your SEO consultant. No, but let's say, for instance, the framework shows that you've got an activation problem. So SEO is driving all this traffic and leads and it's all great, but it doesn't equate to revenue or profit because once they hit the software or the product, they don't get to an aha moment and people just don't convert. So what now? Do we now blame the SEO agency because we can't see return on the spend? Now the SEO people can actually get a view into how do we convert them further down the line? And not to be judgmental here, but not a lot of SEOs do have a view into, you know, anything that happens after the conversion. You know, do we do we lose them later down the line? Retention, for instance. Why aren't SEOs having discussions around retention? I brought in X amount of leads. If I can talk to my retention guy or the guy that runs referral programs, if he can get drive referrals from my initial lead, and if I tie that back to SEO investment, now all of a sudden I can really attribute more revenue and profit back to my initial lead. Like we're not doing that because we don't have a view into that. And as you say, we all swim in our lanes and we don't get that view. But if you run a framework like this, SEOs paid, everybody can have a, you know, access and a view to this. Um, so that basically opens up the conversation in terms of alignment and where, you know, we, we, we are better and not better. I think we all fall into the trap of trying to make specific channels look better to suit our agenda. Um, but at the end of the day, it will always be the overall experience that leads to a purchase. Um, and there are so many touch points involved in that journey. 
I would love to hear your thoughts on budgeting as well. So do you allocate budget based on channel ROI? Is it an even split or do you have a magic formula that you could perhaps share with us? So look, there's no one size fits all answer to this, but what this framework does. So essentially, when you look at budget distribution or spend, you essentially use this framework, but you you reverse engineer it. You take it from back to front. Meaning that you usually start your your spend um, by churn customers, right? Which is all the way down to the revenue part. Because you must remember now, people used to spend money on your product or business. So you want to ensure that you stop that leakage because they invested in your product. You know, as the saying goes, you know, it's it's always a lot more expensive to acquire new users as opposed to kind of stop them, to stop losing them. This framework, again, allows you to, to understand, you know, the leakages. So if you've got a problem there, you know you need to, you know, spend X amount of revenue plugging that. And it could be a quick fix. You know, that's why it's difficult to, to give you percentages of, of split here. It could be as simple as you just need to have better customer support. It might, might require a full customer support team, but it could just be one person asking more questions or an NPA survey. So understanding what that budget or spend involves is, is the better one. Then you work your way back all the way through to acquisition. I've seen this in the past where we acquire massive amounts of, of, of people, but they don't end up installing the software. So again, if I can understand that working my way backwards, I know I need to plug that hole first. So you basically just plug all these holes from back to front, and that will basically you know, allow you to understand where you should spend your dollars. If you don't get a lot of people all the way through to the end of the funnel, you obviously know to spend more on acquisition because the funnel will show this. Um, so that's kind of how this allows you to, to understand the budget splits. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think it can be used to provide some real clarity on why on why a specific channel or perhaps a specific area of the funnel is getting a higher portion of budget than somewhere else. Um, so I guess this is the fun part. Do you have any real life examples that you can share with us that showcase sort of this strategy? So I'll quickly show you, you know, just that budget spend. And as I say, work your way from back to front. This is a, a SaaS startup. They sell software using a subscription model. So I, obviously I can't mention the, the specific brand here. But what I've plotted out here is a the loss of opportunities throughout the funnel by looking at users that we've lost in a 30-day period. So if I work my way from back to front, so paying churn customers. Now, this is people that have paid for the software, they've used it, they've invested dollars in 850 paying customers per month for the last 30 days, 850. Now, that's a substantial amount of users to, to lose. Let's say it's $100 per subscription. That is a lot of money lost. And I'm not saying that you'll win every single customer back because it could be due to COVID or any, anything you know, related to that. But that's an, a definite area to start. Now, that is the one thing that I, if I work my way back to retention, now trial cancellations. Now, these are people that started a trial. It ran for X amount of days, the trial period. And then they decided not to proceed with a paying subscription. 1,800 users in that particular stage. Now, again, why didn't they convert into paying customers? That is 1,800 people that could bring in some sort of a, a revenue for the business. If you even just win 2% of those or 
that is definite revenue in, into the business. So why would you now spend on acquisition if you've got 1,800 people that tried your software? 1,800, work my way back to the front. So people need to create an account before they can start a trial. 2,500 people created an account, they never started a trial. 2,500, so again, a large number. If I work my way back onto the website now, so now you, you're looking at website numbers here, people that viewed the pricing page, but they didn't convert into account starters, 30,000 users for the last 30 days. So now you can see they viewed your pricing page, something on that pricing page caused them to bounce. If you look at people that entered the website as a whole, 160,000 users for the last 30 days. Now you can kind of see the numbers here. Now, any marketer would go, 160,000, let's focus on them first because imagine if we can convert them. Yeah, but the, the intention, they show a much lower intention to use your software. We, 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 it could be bot traffic, it could be anything. But the paying customers, 850 of them were invested in your product. So you, you would start there. So now you can start to see the numbers. Now you don't know this business, but now I've just sketched you know, a good view of opportunity and losses and, and things here. So that's how Greatest Framework is. It just highlights areas of opportunity. That is such a great example. Um, I really enjoyed listening to that and you sharing all the numbers with us. I think as marketers, we're so stuck on the vanity metrics and posting our search console data on LinkedIn for everyone to see, for example. Um, but the marketers that focus on the 850 and figuring out why they cancelled their accounts are going to be the ones that are winning at the end when they sort of work outwards, like you said. Um, so yeah, super interesting. And I think your example tied everything together perfectly at the end, Vian. Um, we are out of time during this main section, so let's move on to our outro. Um, for the final few minutes of the episode, I have two quick questions that I'm going to be asking you. So I ask two questions to every guest that joins us in this closing section. The first one, Vian, is do you have a memorable story that jumps out when you look back on your career? So it could be something funny, embarrassing, or perhaps inspirational, for example. The thing that I was guilty of when I started my career was arrogance. You know, I would be, you know, fiery. And whenever I'd get beef from, from a client or a manager, I would go, no, I'm leaving this business, you know, this position, it's not worth it. You know, I'm young and I know better. Um, you know, it's quite embarrassing. But I think over, over the years, you, you kind of understand all the restrictions and, you know, how business should function and just to kind of stick around um, so i think that's it's just growing in in specific roles and just mat maturing uh, so i think that's that's some, something that happened in my career from being cocky to being a lot more mature yeah i think that's a good one because we're all really eager to be successful when we start out and i think if you cut corners then it can actually knock you back a few steps in the long run um, so thanks for sharing that with us my final question is, do you have a favorite resource that you use on a regular basis, which might help our listeners? Something that I find super useful. It's not, a, it's not really a resource or so, but it's, it's a tool. Um, it's a tool called CRISP, K-R-I-S-P. It's a tool that, is, that you install on your machine, your local machine, and it's a noise cancellation app. Now, if you've got babies around and you're in a noisy coffee shop or wherever, you install it on your machine, it cancels out the noise. Uh, a baby can cry next to you, but the people on the other end can't hear you. So if Zoom calls are stressful because of noise, install this, it's a game changer. So I've been using it, I've been having great success, and it's just been giving the people around me also some, some surety that they can carry on with their lives. 
Yeah, awesome. That is a resource that has definitely not been mentioned on the show before. So we're going to wrap up the episode right here. Thank you for your time, Vian, and sharing some really cool insights and data with us. Good stuff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, not a problem. And thank you to everyone for listening. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, I'll put everything in the show notes. Um, We always appreciate your support. So have a great week and we'll be back next Wednesday for episode 76 of the show.